0: Welcome to the Mark Stary Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Starry, and I'm a 15-plus-year veteran of the Twin Cities Minnesota Metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Starry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original recordings are available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. Please subscribe on iTunes. It's free and also guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you've got an extra buck or two lying around and would like to be a patron of this podcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Music Podcast. Also consider helping get the word out in the street via five-star rating and review on iTunes, social media, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by Chris Christopherson. You don't paddle against the current. You paddle with it. And if you get good at it, you throw away the oars. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy it! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 54. Doing the vocal overdubs this week here at my family's cabin in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin on the last day before we shut it down for the winter, and also saying goodbye to our family's 100-year hardware store business. It's been kind of an odd day and an odd week, but uh, shows are going good, the podcast is going good, and my doggy copper can almost catch a frisbee, so I can't complain. The old iPad Air here is running out of space. I also have the yearly hosting fees coming up, so I'd like to thank Dustin, Jeff, Amy, Jeremy, Margie, my mother, and Nate for signing up on the Patreon page for the Mark Starry Music Podcast. I can't tell you how much it means to me, and thank you for helping me keep the podcast going. Last week's gigs wrap-up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. I did a tour of the 80s hair bands with bartender Luke, and it was a ton of fun. Highlights were White Snake and Bon Jovi. Thursday, Mr. Brian Johnson and myself rocked out at Lucky's thirteen in Burnsville, Minnesota. It was a great crowd, pre-packer game, and did some booking and looks like we'll be there twice a month starting in 2017. Friday, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself rocked out at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota. And a big congrats to our number one fan, Stu, who actually took the afternoon off and took a nap and prepped up so he could actually make it through one of our shows before manager Corey had to throw him out. Saturday, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself jammed out at Lone Oak Grill in Egan, Minnesota. It was our first time there. It was a ton of fun. And coming from a Brewers fan here, a huge congratulations to the Cubs for making it to the World Series. Upcoming shows. Tuesday, October 25th. 2016, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be jamming out at JJ's Pub in beautiful Breezy Point, Minnesota from 8 to 12 p.m. for their employee Halloween party. Wednesday, October 26th, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 8 to 10 p.m. Thursday, October 27th, Brian Johnson and myself will be rocking out at the YZ Bar and Grill in YZ, Minnesota, a.k.a. The Muni, from 8 to 11 p.m. Friday, October 28th, I'll be playing a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater, Minnesota, from 7 to 10 p.m. Saturday, October 29th, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be jamming at GPI, a.k.a. Gosnell's Packer Inn in Prairie Farm, Wisconsin for their Halloween bash. Excited to see our friend Bart Gosnell again and hope we can rope him into another Top 5 podcast. Guest this week is part two of three with host and producer of K-Fan Power Trip morning show, former vocalist of Rocket Club, and current leader of the popular country rock band, Chris Hockey Band, Chris Hawkey. We discuss Brock Lesnar, Singing in a Star-Spangled Banner at U.S. Bank Stadium, Classic Country Gospel, etc. Enjoy the conversation! <music> Mr. Chris Hockey, hey. welcome back to the Mark Steri Music Podcast,
1: Part 2. Thanks, man. I'm glad you didn't have enough the first time. I appreciate it. I was afraid I overtalked my welcome.
0: No, not even close, man. Um, We're still here at K Fan Studios uh, hanging out in the break room here. And uh, it's been a fun, fun morning. Chris invited me to watch part of the show. Anyway, we're talking about, of all things, Brock Lesnar. I take bigger than that kid, all right? Come on, guys. Let's get. I know you guys all play video games and you live in this false sense of reality. I'm 290 pounds, all right? This guy's 145 pounds. That's if he's lucky and gets up and eats his. Ladies, okay. Yeah. I like wrestling a lot. I'm wearing a Macho Man shirt. Yes, you are. And we are talking a little wrestling, and here Chris has a few stories about Mr. Brock Lesnar.
1: I do. I- I've known him uh, for a very long time, luckily, through this job. Wonderful guy. Great dad. Great husband. Really good guy. Uh, but my favorite story about Brock, and I've got a bunch of them, but this is my favorite one, is one day we decided he and I were going to have a foot race. This is when we were down in Bloomington, and we were going to see how fast, because this is... Bu- Perfect, perfect thing. Remember when he he went out for the Vikings, right? Yes. This was at the very beginning of the idea of him doing that. And so he, we were talking, Star and I were on the morning show with him, them and Corey was our intern. And we were like, well, what, what do you run the 40 in? He said, I have no idea. I said, well, let's go run the 40 outside. And he's like, I'll race you. So I said, okay. So we went outside and I, and I'm not fast and I'm not big. I'm, you know, I'm five, six. So I don't have a long stride is the reason I bring that up. But I kid you not I was still coming out of my stance, and he was three strides in front of me. I can't believe how fast he was. For as big as he is, I, I will never forget how quickly he was out of a stance and gone. And I remember coming in and Star looking at me, and Star knows a thing or two about football, saying, he, he might have a chance at this. And dang it, he almost made that squad. He really did. As somebody who'd never played football, he almost made a professional football squad.
0: He's definitely a successful individual, that's yeah, for sure. Good for him. Um, I happened to go to Monday Night Raw's homecoming at the Target Center when and all oh, the, the U of M fans are there, sure. the wrestling fans are there. It was a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: he's something else,
0: man. Uh, he's a respected respected fellow, for sure. Um, so last episode we were talking about My Kind of Crazy. Um, we are talking about heavy metal. We're kind of bouncing all sure, over. Sure,
1: man, I love that.
0: But how did you make your transition as a music fan mm-hmm. from g r yep. lies 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 right. to like where you're at right now sure
1: yeah no I, I, um, I, there's two ways to answer that question and the first one is, the, is an easy one because um, country music came to rock you know um, I didn't go out saying I'm gonna make a transition I'm gonna be a country singer now in my opinion the music you're hearing on the radio right now um, changed the singer's voice it's a rock song a lot of it um, so that's easy answer number one number two it's all because of Rocket Club Um, and and it's funny too because we didn't know we were a country band at all when we first started. Um, we we did a song, did a record. It was very much a Cities ninety seven AAA style station back when Cities ninety seven was still, you know, AAA station. And uh, so that's what we were going after. We were going after that kind of Cities ninety seven feel. And then Joel Sales and Don Smithmeyer wrote this song called One More Day um, about a um, uh, the passing of a child um, that was written from a poem that somebody a friend of ours sent us and we were going to play in Duluth at Papa Charlie's and we got a call Sarah our manager who was my manager now he's been my manager forever was Rocket Club's manager as well got a call from Billboard magazine saying we need no information about you guys you're going to be on the Billboard country charts and I'm telling you we didn't know we were a country band until that phone call but the song had gotten played on K102 and then uh program director down in San Antonio got a hold of it loved it he played it and then it made its way across the country, like you hear viral things happening. And suddenly, we were a country band. And what? A month later, I was standing backstage at the Grand Old Opry talking to Eric Church before anybody else knew who he was.
0: Wow. Yeah. So
1: that's how it happened. Yeah.
0: Speaking of that song. Yeah. How did you learn? One thing I've always struggled with is singing harmony.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How did you pick up your harmony chops? Uh, um,
1: I, um, I love singing harmony. I love the sound of a harmony. I oh, love yeah. singing harmony. I love the Eagles. You know, I love. Uh, I love that song. I love the, um, the Jayhawks, man. Right? As, since I was a little boy, and I've only ever met one other person who 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 had the same thing. I've always sang the harmony part as I'm driving down the road. I've never sang. If I'm listening to a Bob Seger song, I'm forever forever have sang the harmony. I don't know why. I, you know, I, I've mentioned this to you now four times in this podcast, but I'll continue to say it. I'm the luckiest guy you'll meet ever, dude, because. When when I was asked to join Rocket Club, I'd always wanted to be in a band where I could sing harmony. And it just happened to be that we had four guys when Kirkwall was still on the band, we had four guys who could just harmonize the crap out of it, man.
0: Um can you do multiple harmonies? You know yeah. how to do the top, bottom, whatever?
1: No idea why, but I, I, I can. I can do that. I any
0: suggestions for us hacks trying to get that down? Uh be a you good just hear it and do it. Be
1: a good listener. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and again, uh, try this today as you're dry, and as after you listen to this podcast, when you're turning the radio back on or whatever you listen to, always try to harmonize with the lead singer of whatever you're listening to. Always. And really listen, man. Really listen because the difference between singing harmony well and not singing harmony well is, is mirroring what the guy is doing and not trying to be the lead singer. Not trying to be the lead singer. Let the lead singer be the lead singer and follow him wherever he goes.
0: And just be a blend.
1: Absolutely. Try to make people forget you're even there. It sounds good, and they don't even know why. That's the key.
0: That's a, That's great.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, how did you transition from? Were you doing fifty-fifty lead singing then with Rocket Club, or yeah. primarily harmony, or? Because um, then, by North Country time, you're singing sure. the main guy. It was
1: it was the the um the uh, the greatest experience musically of my life was being in Rocket Club. Um. We started. Singing harmonies in Matt Kirkwald's uh, screened in porch. Just me and Brian Cranning and and Don Smithmeyer and Matt Kirkwald. Um, And we were singing Southern Cross by Crosby Stills and Nash. Singing uh, these great Eagle songs, and we were, we all, I can remember looking oh, at each
0: other Christ. going, just I know, got that in my head right now. I was trying to grab yeah. it, that's what like, I'm saying. That's yeah. a great yeah. song. got
1: dude. out of town on a boat, you know, and, and and it just happened. It just happened, dude. It just happened that we all sang where we all needed to sing. It was magic. It was magic. The whole thing about that band, every moment that I was in it was magic. There were some really bad things at the end, but uh, and now that I'm, I'm past it enough, I can look back and say, my gosh, I can't believe I was part of that. So, uh, the, the only answer to that is, uh, it was with that band in particular, it just happened because it was supposed to, you know, as weird as that may sound to some people. It was a, it was a beautiful thing to be a part of that and to hit those harmonies with those guys and go, wow, do you hear what we're doing? <laughs> this is so awesome, you know?
0: So, when you guys found out that you were overnight a country hit band, when you worked on your live show mm-hmm. or style or anything did right. you guys have to do a quick woodshed to kind of get your references rounded out or what was going on or or how did that all work
1: the great thing about that band unlike my solo project is we never conform eh, i shouldn't say that a couple of songs maybe but most of the time we just did rocket club stuff and we were always the same band and they always wrote the same lyrics i, I you know um i'll say this uh, without trying to sound like a jackass Don Smithmeyer's lyrics were often too smart for the country world. And by that I mean um, country music... There's nothing harder than writing a simple country music lyric. There's nothing harder than that, right? But the reason that is is because you have to be blatant with what you're saying. And and Don wrote lyrics that were so smart and so there so... There were so many layers to his lyrics that many, many times we were told that's, that's not a country music lyric. People don't want to have to think about it. They want it to be, here's the lyric, here it's in your lap, sing along. Um, I don't even remember what the question was. Sorry, but that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about right there. We never, oh, okay, the, the confirmation thing. We, we never conformed. We never changed our live show. I wore a cowboy hat, but that's because I liked wearing cowboy hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's it. We, we, they, they, uh, we, we never changed who we were.
0: Wow, um, during Rocket Club, you guys had this kind of, you're sitting at, the, you're wearing a Ryman hat on right yeah. now. And you're playing the Grand Old Opry. Did you guys have a chance to play the old? We Ryman? didn't get
1: to play. We didn't get to play either. We were backstage being wooed um, by managers. Uh, we never got to play, but they took us backstage, never got to play there. Even to this day, that's still one of my dreams. And I have a, a good friend um, who lives in Nashville, and I keep begging him because he knows the guy who books the bands there, and just let me sing one song, you know, just go in <laughs> and so I can say, just I want to stand in the circle. If you ever get an opportunity to go and and uh, see the stage at the Grand Old Opry, at the new one, there's a circle in the middle of the stage, and it's a piece of the stage from the Ryman that they cut out and brought with them. So there always be a, be a piece. My goal someday, and I've got, I've made, a, I've been real lucky, but that's, that's one of my goals that I still have in my career is to stand in that circle and sing a song. I don't know if I'll make it through because I'll probably cry. Seriously. But that's the goal.
0: Wow. Do you think it's true with Hank Williams when he first sang the Ryman, that he was like the last guy of like 50 people to sing that night and they ovationed him like seven times?
2: I've grown so used to you somehow. Well, I'm nobody sugar daddy now, and I'm home. I got the love thick
1: I've heard that story, too. There's a great book about the Ryman that I actually bought in the gift shop there that talks about some of the acts and things that, that went on. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Let's say you do get that gig, mm-hmm. playing in the center of the Ryman, or what's right. your, your lifelong gig. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How would you, would you be nervous? Would you... Uh, you think? You, I mean, how would you make that the best sure. performance of your life, you think? I would do
1: my best to remind myself when I was walking out onto the stage that—and again, this sounds pompous. I'm sorry. I don't mean to say it like that, but I hope you get what I'm saying. My voice has never let me down. Whether I, whether I was singing at, at uh, Maple Tavern for six people or whether I was um, playing We Fest, I've sang a million times, and so I know I can sing. So what you got to do is enjoy the moment and get out of your own head. That's what I would do. And that's the, the only time now I, have st- I struggle with that is when I'm singing the national anthem because I've had troubles with that in the past. <laughs> so I can't look at myself in the mirror and say, you could do this. You've never messed this up. You're fine because I have messed that up. But I, that's what I would try to do. I'd try to get out of my own head uh, and I would walk out there and I'd try to enjoy the moment and I would try to communicate to the people listening in the audience, you have no idea how much this means to me. And then I just go into the song.
0: Wow. Another wrestling reference: sure. Stone Cold Steve Austin always says, "When you're thinking, you're stinking." It's true, and that's true with singing.
1: It's true with everything, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, football. Let's talk about. We were talking about Ben with Ben Lieber this morning. But if you got to think about playing left tackle, you can't play left tackle. It's the same thing with singing.
0: Yep, I if, agree. It's got to just come right out of you. It's
1: got to be part of you.
0: Um, when you do do these big national anthem, like you recently just played. I know we just had Cat Perkins on, and she was the first one to sing yeah. at U.S. Bank Stadium. You, I think you did a preseason game with Jason Perry, too, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I called Jason in because I owe him so much, and he's a huge Viking fan. He's a great guy. We'll oh. talk about him in a minute for sure. What's your mindset when mm-hmm. you're doing that in front of that many people at a Viking? You Obviously, sure. your, your people know you around town. The players know you. Yeah. So how do you get through all that?
1: It, uh, it's really hard. That's, I, I, I do not like to do it. I, I am... I, I as, as we sit here right now, I'm officially retired. I'll never do it again. <laughs> and, and here's the reason. Um, it, there's almost no way to win when you're me. I'm not a uh, – Kat Perkins is somebody you brought up. I love Kat. And Kat should be a humongous star. She should be a giant star. She's got a voice. It's so easy when she sings, man. I'm so jealous to watch her sing because it's like watching somebody curl 350 pounds with one arm. It's so easy for her, you know? For me, it's not. That's a hard song to sing. And you're right. There are people on the sidelines who are trying to make me laugh. <laughs> um, uh, and so I have a hard time with it. Uh, w- with this last time, I everybody knew, my friends who booked the, the, the anthem singers, everybody knows I'm retired. I'd made it well known. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Well, they were supposed to have the Dixie Chicks. But the Dixie Chicks decided they didn't want to do it. And it's Thursday night before the first ever football game at the U.S. Bank Stadium. So they call me. And my buddy who works down at the Vikings says, you can't tell me no. You'd be the first person to ever sing before a Vikings game at the new stadium. I'm like, damn it, you're right. So I called Perry. I'm like, dude, I got this opportunity. He's like, I'll be there. You know, he jumped on a plane. He came up. So it was me and Alex Kim, my keyboard player, and uh, Tony Williams, my guitar player. And we did four-part harmony. Uh, It didn't go as well as I'd like. Um, because it was, they were still learning the sound system themselves within there as well. Um, and, uh, um, we had mixed up who had whose ear monitors. So I was hearing one person's mix. Somebody else was hearing their mix. It was tough, man. But, um, overall I sang it decently well and it was a great honor. (laughs) And I think uh, I think it came across OK, but I am officially retired. I won't do that to myself again.
0: I won't do it. I won't do it again. You got the picture, put it on the wall. And that's that's, that's good it, man. You I, did it.
1: That's it. Yeah.
0: Um, do you stash the lyrics anywhere or anything? Like no,
1: that? no. I um, again, that's one of those things I'm, I uh, I have to tell myself as I'm walking out onto the field. Dude, you know, the damn lyrics just saying stop being an idiot, you know, and yeah. I do because, you know, the lyrics I could sit here right now and tell you the lyrics. So you just have to convince yourself as you're walking on the field, you got to stop killing
0: yourself. You you can do this. Just do it. This music stuff is such a mental... Absolutely. It's the hardest part.
1: It's by a mile the hardest part, and that's why the really good people are often uh, the crazy people.
0: <laughs> because I think
1: you have to be a little bit crazy to be able to tolerate all this.
0: Wow. Uh, bringing up Jason Perry, mm-hmm. how did you wind up working with him? Yeah. I know Everson said you guys are recording and yep. writing and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. How did you end up working with him? And how was your experience? Like, when did you start working down in Nashville or right. getting into that scene? Oh, you with, with Rocket Club, I yeah, guess. Yeah, for
1: sure. But, uh, but we didn't do much. We recorded and everything here in Rocket Club and, and mostly in Joel Sale's basement, sometimes over at uh, um, Smith Meyer's studio with Kirkwald and such. But so when Rocket Club decided to take a break and, and we didn't know what was going to happen, I, I, I let the guys know I'm not going to stop. I can't stop this. I love it too much. This is my, the, the, there's a scene in a movie uh, called Get Him to the Greek that I love specifically at the very end of the movie where the, the main character is walking out on stage and he turns around and he goes, I don't know what all the fuss was about. I love this. That's me, man. I love it. That, that's my moment. That's where I'm home, man. I love it so much. It's my joy. And so I said, I can't stop. So Joel Sales, I didn't know Jason at all. Joel Sales, the bass player of Rocket Club, said, you, you need to go down. In fact, I asked Joel if he would produce, if I remember correctly, I think I asked him if he would produce a, a record for me, because I'm not the guy to do that. Ask Jason. So I got a hold of Jason and went down there to Nashville and met him for the first time and, and uh, just started recording. And my gosh, is that guy a wonder. Not just a producing, relationships. He found me songs I never would have had access to. Um, you know, the the players who play on my records are the best you could possibly get. The people who mix my records, the people who master my records are top of the line. That's all because Jason Perry is your friend three minutes after meeting him. And he's like that with everybody.
0: That's true. I haven't seen him in years, but when we were opening for GB way Mm -hmm. back in the day and then we were doing the toughest gig on planet Earth is covering for GB on a Wednesday at Bunkers when they're gone. And we do that with Jason's... He had a Perry Carry band. Yeah, of course. Called. Yeah. And that's when I got to know him during that time and doing the Nashville stuff. I'd visit him every time I was down there and stuff. And one thing I remember is how determined he was to make it down there and just kind of positive thinking like he was, it was going to work no yeah. matter what. Yeah. So interesting fella. So I'm glad to hear that he's still, I haven't seen him in a long time and glad that he's still rocking out yeah. and doing it.
1: So many people that I could say I, I'm nothing without that person. Jason's definitely one of them. I mean, I wouldn't have gotten any of the songs on my first solo record, which wouldn't have, if I didn't have My Kind of Crazy, which we were talking about earlier, was my first single off that first solo record. Who wrote that one? Uh, a gentleman out of Chicago named Stan Kars. Uh, believe it or not, just a normal dude out of Chicago. And uh, he goes down to Nashville and does songwriting sessions about every two months. And Jason found me the song. He's like, this song is special. And he was right. You knew the first time you he heard it that it was special. And... Uh, Stan was so tickled when we cut that record. He's got a a song on my new record as well called Summer Burn. Um, So many great songs in Nashville, dude.
0: Do you prefer... I know that because I was down there doing all this stuff with the Bluebird and all this songwriting stuff. Right. And uh, the three rules they always told me for Nashville songwriting was rule number one is what's in it for the girl? Rule number two, what's in it for the girl? Rule number three is what's in it for the girl? That's great.
1: I've never heard that, but it's true.
0: It's true. So how do you try to fit into that demographic. They're trying to shoot this mainly to females. Right. How do you think you fit into all that? Here's what happened, okay?
1: When Rocket Club, the last time we were down there, and we, we um, showcased for uh, uh, Sony. They brought people down from New York. When we were done with the showcase, they said, we want you, done deal. You've got a record deal. This is it. Luke Kramer and I, our buddy. Yeah drove all the way back from nashville that night going holy crap it happened what are we going to do and then the next morning at noon they were supposed to call and we were going to get together and our representatives and stuff at noon went one o'clock went two o'clock went no call and then finally we got a call from our representative and she said they decided not to sign you what happened what changed overnight she said they got together that morning to discuss it one last time and came to the conclusion that we were too old it's the bottom line and and here's here's and that was a heartbreaker after after all the crying and wailing and tears. Uh here's what happened for me though. I was able to look myself in the mirror and say, um, if they said I was too fat I could lose more weight. If they said I couldn't sing, I could try to sing better. Heck, even if they said our songs were good enough, we could find better songs. I can't be younger than I am. And it released it all for me, dude. It released after I again after the hangover, it released the pressure I had been feeling since I was fourteen years old that all I ever wanted was to get a record deal. When, that, when I knew that wasn't going to happen for me, I stopped worrying about what, whether or not I was singing for the girl, you know? So I was able to just start looking for songs that I could sing when I was on stage legitimately and communicate and say, like I have a song called Hallelujah. I can sing that song on stage even though I didn't write it because it's how I feel. I can sing my kind of crazy because I know that girl, you know? So I, I didn't have to just look for what the next single was going to be. I could look for signs that spoke to me, and that's what I've been able to do.
0: My old guitar player, Dan Neela, if you know him at all I, I think he I mean, knows all those guys he he's yeah, playing right. around for a million years. He used to go to the Nashville stuff with me too. He always said a musician's worst uh nightmare was unrealized expectations. Mm and the pressure you put on yourself since a kid to want to be the next Axel, the next George Strait or something. Um, Once you do let go of that stuff and you can express yourself more clearly, I think that's when your real voice and stuff comes out. True. And people like that.
1: It's so true, man. I I was so driven by that. I was so single-minded that I almost didn't enjoy things because it wasn't about,
0: look what we did today.
1: It was like, okay, we did that. What's next? What what, what do you have to do? What do you have to do? Taking that pressure off has just been such a relief, man. And I've, I've enjoyed... Since I was – I've enjoyed the last five, six years of my music career more than I ever – and I've had more success more than I ever had before that because of that, I think.
0: I went and saw you guys at uh, at uh, CHS Field. Oh, yeah, right. The Saints game. Yeah, that's fun. And you could tell, man. You could tell you'd absolutely just love that. I do. And definitely connect with the audience and – uh you're just happy to be up there singing for him. That's my
1: joy, man. That's my fun. And, and now that Abigail, my daughter's 14 and she gets to come along to the shows and sell merch and stuff for her, it makes it even better because you don't have to leave him at home anymore. That little guilt's gone. <laughs> but, dude, no, honestly, I, I don't even know why. I, I don't even know why, but that's that's my life, dude. That's what I was supposed to be. And maybe I wasn't supposed to be John Mellencamp or, you know, or, or John Bon Jovi or whomever. Um, maybe this is the this modicum of success that I have is as high as I was ever meant to be. But man, that's okay. It's such a joy to stand there and sing those songs. And and uh, I like singing cover songs too. Don't get me wrong. But to be able to sing songs on that came from a record that they had to find that are your songs, whether you wrote them or not. You know, it's such a joy, dude. That I can't hide it. I am living my dream at that moment. It's the best.
0: When I saw you guys do that song, Hallelujah. Yeah. Um. I was blown away by Everson walking right up front, yeah, like Slash on top of the piano in the November Rain video, yeah. and just cutting that guitar solo man that man. was great i even got a picture with the crowd in the background yeah. the flags flying how great right that was awesome man it's yeah. a great song man. how about you do that for the story behind the song segment this week is that okay that would be great what is the story behind that song
1: well um can i say one more thing about everson real quick before oh, absolutely I it? I, sure. and then i'll do that cuz i want to make sure i say this to, uh, my band right now is so great i got to tell you these guys are fantastic and it starts with everson he's my band leader and and i hope if you didn't listen to the segment when he was on that you go back and listen to it but uh, what a what a great player and what a great guy so i got him on one guitar who's meticulous as hell i got tony williams on the other guitar who's a freewheeling slinger man i've, I've got both sides covered right there i got jess for asper who i've been playing he's my bass player been playing music with jess for almost 20 years he's my one of my best friends in the whole world playing bass always so solid and always right there he has been the whole time uh, jordan carlson my drummer what a pro and Alex Keel, the newest guy who plays keyboards for me and hits this high harmony, even though he's like 6'5", just a giant of a man, hits his high harmony you can't believe. I, I, they're so good. This band is so good. I can't even believe it. And it makes my job so easy. So I wanted to make sure everybody, I said that because I know that that's, well, and then lastly, Tom Pickard, who's the most important member of my band, including me. Tom Pickard is a number one. Find a good sound man and pay them whatever they're asking because that's the key. Hallelujah was a, a Jason Perry staple in his, in his um, set for the longest time. And it's, uh, you know, it's just straight up a, a thank you song to God, you know, whomever your God is, whether you have a God or not, the universe, to, to positivity, to the secret, to whatever you pray to. Um, and that's how I always approached that song. But I, I'll never forget Johnny Cash's, uh, Johnny Cash's thing was, and Elvis too, almost every record they ever put out had one gospel song on it, just so God didn't think they were getting too proud you know <laughs> just so God knew that they were grateful you know so that's what Hallelujah on this on the, on the uh, second record was on the first solo record was a song called Prayers that's, that's what those songs are they're thank you God and that's what Hallelujah is all about
0: I think my favorite because I agree with you I never thought of that till right now they man. always have a gospel song on Absolutely, there man. I think my favorite old country gospel one would be Chris Christopherson's Why Me Lord mm, yeah <laughs> Lord hell. I've wasted it, so help me Jesus. I know
1: what I am. What a guy that guy is, huh? What a what a what a story that guy
0: is, man. Speaking Oof. of your hat, the Ryman, I first got to see Chris Christofferson at Johnny Cash's funeral oh. in Nashville, and I was yeah. just a total mark for Chris Christofferson and I saw him behind Tootsie's there, and then he went inside. And they said, "Oh, he's coming up front." So I took off running. I wanted to meet him or whatever. Yeah. So I ran over this lady, accident just ran right Literally. over. Literally. Yeah. And then so I get to the, the by the Ryman whatever. Chris walks in and said, "Hey, Chris, man." And he points at me. And he just kind of gives me a nod Aww. and winks. And so I'm like, "Yeah, I got to kind of meet him, whatever. Yeah, happens, ass meet him." Anyway, this lady comes running at me. And I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, I didn't mean oh, I didn't I'm mean sorry to. about that. Yeah, didn't yeah, mean to right. do that. And she goes, oh, what are you so excited about? Oh, I'm like, Chris Christopherson. And she goes, uh, well, you did run me over. But for that, I now need an interview. Here, the camera pops up. Is Fox 9 News. I ran over the reporter. Wow. And so, so she asked me, why well, I was so excited. So I went on this, cut this big promo about just loving Chris Christopherson yeah. and stuff. And so we got home that night, and on the 9 o'clock news... There I was talking, except they edited it so they made it sound I was talking about Johnny Cash. What?
1: <laughs> oh no!
0: Yes, they shaped I their,
1: your story to fit their story. Yeah, oh,
0: that's no kidding. The media guys. No. Yeah,
1: that's how we do it, man. You got to watch us. Cool Edit Pro, you can do anything with it.
0: Anyway, so I tie oh, that Chris stops on the Ryman hat thing together. It's a funny story. How great was it, life
1: To sit in a room like that and watch him play. How was it, Chris?
0: Yeah. I was outside the building. Oh, you were? Was, oh, so you I didn't get just, to see him. I was a okay. total numbskull just oh. outside the building. Yeah. I just saw him at State Fair this last year. It's the first time I got to see him, really. Incredible. But ah, uh, he was <laughs> he's old. It was a little chunky a little bit, but then I was then all of a sudden he started singing and I was like, Oh now I remember That's why. Him. It's the songs. Yeah. It's it's not the big fancy Everson yeah. guitar stuff. It's yeah. the it's the songs, it's man. It's the
1: songs, man. Three chords and heartbreak.
0: Um, do you mind doing a quick part three? Oh,
1: no, if you want, for sure. I'm okay. completely cool with
0: it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Chris Hockey, for being the Mark Stare Music Podcast. And please tune in next week for part three. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Music Podcast. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go with some fun. Till next time.
2: It feels like my head is spinning I can't stop the days from flying by